Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to episode 51 of the Women's Running Podcast. I'm Esther Newman, editor of Women's Running, and in this episode, I'm speaking to the legend that is Nikki Spinks. Oddly enough, this is the first time I've ever spoken to Nikki, so I'm a little bit starstruck, but I'm sure you'll forgive me for that. Nikki was a cover star for Women's Running on the issue just before I started, so for me, she has always been the one that got away, not anymore. Here she is chatting about her incredible running career so far. Nikki is one of the greatest fell runners of all time, if not the greatest. She set women's records for the Ramsey Round, that's 58 miles in Scotland, including Ben Nevis, the Paddy Buckley Round, that's 65 miles in Snowdonia with 47 summits, and the Bob Graham Round, this is the Lake District one and is 66 miles. She is the holder of the overall record for the double Bob Graham Round and is the only person ever to complete doubles of the other two rounds. She talks to me about how she got into running in the first place, how she trains for those crazy distances and her experiences running those unheard of challenges pre-Nikki. She also talks about her experiences running the terrifying Barclay Marathons and it sounds like she has some unfinished business there, so watch this space. And because along with being a farmer and running incredible distances, she's also a coach, I ask her opinion on how we can all run well on the trails and, crucially, I ask her what the best food to eat on an ultra is. Spoiler There's a lot of pork pies. And I get her opinion on why she thinks women make such incredible ultra runners. And there's a lot more running chat besides. Podcast listeners can claim the best discount we have for membership to Women's Running, which is 35% off. That's less than $2.95 a month. And for that, you get our brilliant magazine and you also get loads of money off the sorts of stuff you love, like kit, nutrition and class memberships. Go to shop www.womensrunning.co.uk and enter WRPod at the checkout for your discount. Happy running. I can't believe I'm not speaking. I think because you were in, um, you were in Women's Running like literally the month before I joined. You were the cover star. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they came out and we did quite a big interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it was a brilliant cover. So where was that shot? Was that shot near where you live? Just locally. Yeah. yeah, lovely. So where, where do you live at the moment? Are you up in Huddersfield? And you've got a farm there? Yeah. What do you farm? Uh, cattle, but we've retired actually. We've sold them. Oh, have oh, you? We're retiring this year. How come? Um, well, farming's hard work and mm. it just it doesn't get any easier the older you get. There's a, well, there's more risk as you get older because you're not as quick as you were, you're not as strong as you were, so... Um, yeah, because we're only tenants here, we pay rent on it. So it was a, you know, it's always a matter of, well, do you want to pay rent for the rest of your life or try and earn money to pay rent? And also, you, you know, you've obviously got a hundred acres to upkeep. You can't just let it, <laughs> you can't just mow it <laughs> like you can mm. a lawn. Um, yeah. So yeah, we've been planning it for about six, 
seven years because obviously with farming everything takes so long and then COVID came along as well so mm-hmm. Brexit yeah just loads of stuff <laughs> so actually yeah mm-hmm. but if it's if it's happening this year so what what does that what well, does that mean that this next year, year next like? year so we've sold the cows now mm-hmm. um which gives us more time we've got another property in Galloway so well, we've got yeah that's our main property that's our only property um mm. So, yeah, we, we give notice, which is a year in farming. You have to give a year's notice, which is fair enough because there's a lot for us to move out and there's a lot for the landlord to then think about. So, yeah. Um, wow, yeah. that's a big shift. I think, though, because we've been doing the planning for six years, it's it's sort of okay. You know, things come along like all the cows going and you think it'll be a big wrench, but it's not because you've got used to the idea of it. Yeah, fact, it's very liberating not to have to think about them all the time and just to be able to get in the car and go to the lakes whenever you feel like it. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, that was one thing I was going to ask about, because farming is probably one of the hardest jobs there is, especially, well, I mean, physically, but the time as well, because it never, ever stops. You don't get Christmas Day. I mean, no. I, yeah, I, I never, so I couldn't really understand how you fit in your training with that kind of lifestyle. Well, my training was always really around uh winter because then the cows are in and the workload was very consistent whereas in summer the workload's really determined by the weather mm-hmm. um and because the you get more daylight in summer then you tend to spend more time you know working outside you know in the evenings as well so in, in winter i get you know free evenings really so i do a lot of running in the dark mm. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> you do seem as though you're used to it, but I mean, like I've not even introed you properly. I mean, I will intro you. I, I, I promise. Um, in a very professional way at the beginning of this podcast. Um, but I can't really talk to you anymore unless we start talking about all of your incredible achievements. Because like you type Nikki Spinks into Google and Ramsey round, Paddy Buckley round, Bob Graham round, doubles of all of those, they all come up. And you're, uh, from my swift Googling, I mean, you're the only person to have completed doubles of, of all three of those. Um, a single on its own is horrific. And you had, you, well, I say horrific, but I mean, you know, it's, it's an immense effort, the mileage, the elevation um, the time, it's it's a massive, massive undertaking. And you held records for those three until um, 2016, I think. Um, can you explain what they are and why anyone would want to do them? <laughs> uh, well, they're 24-hour challenges, so you've got 24 hours to complete them. Um, the Bob Graham is in the Lake District that covers 42 tops. Um the Charlie Ramsey's in the in Scotland covers twenty four. Um, well, it's twenty three Munros and another one that got demoted, so it's twenty four massive hills. And then the Paddy Buckley's in Wales and covers forty seven tops. So you, they're about sixty miles long with seven thousand feet of uh, meters of climb, seven to eight. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, tell tell me why you. I mean how they came into your kind of you know arena what made you think about doing them in the first place i i joined peniston footpath runners in 2001 two and um and there was a guy there andy Plummer, who was attempting the bob graham that year and when i heard about it i just thought that was the biggest thing that i'd ever maybe try in my life maybe once one day um and then so I helped his attempt and, and then in 2005, I attempted the Bob Graham myself and got round. And then I think from there, it just went, it just went on from there, really. I looked at the Welsh round and then I looked at the Scottish round. And then, you know, as time goes on, I sort of thought I was getting faster and people were suggesting that I could do other things, bigger things. So yeah, it's just gone from there, really. <laughs> said so humbly I mean but then so like I was reading about you doing um I think it was the Lake District one was it I can't remember but there was one where you you went round 
and then like clockwise and then you went round it again anti-clockwise yeah so why why do you do that rather than just going round twice is that because of boredom or is it to kind of change it up or um well i think with the double bob graham well with any of them you, you really should follow what the person before you's done and so Roger Bowmeister had done an anti-clockwise and a clockwise round on the BG. So we've now sort of said um, that that's the way to go because both of us actually think that if you did two going the same way, it's easier. I mean, the whole thing is really, really hard, but I think it's easier to go twice round the same way. You don't don't have to really know the route. You, You just know one route, whereas going anti-clockwise if you've ever run a a route yourself the other way it's not as easy to sort of you know it's different isn't it you notice different things you look for different things as you're running along even though you're on the same actual route Um, so navigation is different so and then also um, yeah there's the it adds an extra challenge of where you would be in the dark because you'd be in a different place in the dark on different sections yeah i mean did what time of year did you do it did you do it in the summer or the winter uh, it was may i think Bob Brain one yeah yeah and then may for the paddy buckley and summer for the ramsey because you still get snow up there in may so you've got to go a bit later yeah yeah so so how long did each of those take um the Bob Graham double was 45 and a half hours. And then I was hoping to get under 48 hours for the others, but I think I did 54, I think, on the paddy and 57 or the other way around. On yeah. the <laughs> and you, you, you now, I mean, so you, you own like the records of all three of those, the doubles. Uh, right? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, they're yours, <laughs> and that's outright. That's over over chaps as well as women. Is yeah, right? yeah. I mean, that's there only one other person. So the record was forty six and a half hours for the double Bob Graham, which was Roger Bowmeister, and we're the only two people to have got under forty eight hours that we know of. Do you speak to him? Oh, Roger. Yeah. 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 No, he was a great help when I was training for mine because. Who else can help you but somebody else that's done it? Because obviously I thought at times, I think it was about about four months before, I didn't want to do it. I was going to pull out and just, and he was the one that just said, no, you can do it. So, you know, I carried on. That was something I was going to talk about as well, because I, I think I saw, well, I did see um, a lovely photograph of you and Damien Hall, where you'd supported him on the Pennine Way. Um, and... I was just thinking about how supportive generally, like emotionally and physically, the ultra running community is. Is that your experience? Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, we all, obviously we'd all like to hold our records forever and ever, but when somebody comes along who, who think, you know, who can, who you think can actually do better than you can, then, you know, you want to see what can be done on, on it and you want them to, you know, they're working hard to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want them to succeed yeah I, and I mean sort of on your tails at the moment I guess is Jasmine Paris I was wondering if she might attempt the um the doubles because she's done the singles or, or at least one of them yeah I'd, it, it depends where people's focuses are sort of going you know mm-hmm. I think if you're uh, younger and faster you might be going more for some for the, like the races that are high profile races or um, more like the records, the Bob mm-hmm. Graham records, because Jasmine held the overall record for the Charlie Ramsey for a, a while, a year or so. So, of those of those big round twenty four hour races, which of them was the hardest? It would be either the Charlie Ramsey or the Paddy. They both. The Charlie Ramsey was just so hot; it was twenty two degrees, I think, when I set off at sort of midnight, and it was just. Ouch. I wouldn't set off in those temperatures now, but the trouble was it was clear and dry. So, you know, do you cancel because it's you think it's too hot? It might cool down, you know. The, yeah. So I suffered a lot with the heat and my feet swelling up and 
And then on the on the Paddy Buckley, I just sort of suffered more with sickness. So they were both hard, and I think that's probably why I did sort of fifty five hours on both of them because I spent maybe five hours overcoming what was being hard and deciding that okay, I'm not going to get forty eight hours, but I'm going to carry on and finish. Mm-hmm. Would you Would you ever try it again? I thought I might, but. Um, yeah, I don't think I will. I don't know. Maybe if a big gap comes up in the... The fact that I think it's doable is... Um, yeah, it does... It means it probably won't go away. Oh. <laughs> but I can fill my diary with other stuff until the time I haven't got anything in and then I mark it go. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I can sort of feel the pain of that, <laughs> of even the consideration of it. How do you even train for something like that? What's the training like? Well, I went and did a lot of the legs just as out and backs. It was actually, well, not easy to recce, but that's how I did it. So nearly every recce that I did was sort of two legs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often wondered what my dog thought of this because we'd set off and like we'd go up and over Snowden and end up in Lamberis and then have something to eat and then turn around and go back again. So actually, logistically, it was quite easy to recce because it was just me and my car and I didn't need to try and, you know, get round or anything like that. But they were really long days because, you know, you're doing so like 10, 12 hours always. Um, yes, but the Charlie Ramsey's the hardest to recce anyway because there's only three legs. Mm-hmm. and um it's very remote but i think that's it i think i did quite a lot of wrecking and then back-to-back days yeah yeah mm-hmm. and uh, do you do any other kind of like different training other than like training on fells or mountains do you do any kind of strength training or kind of speed work or um, anything like that i did plyometrics plan yep and i mean farming is generally strength training so yeah a lot of fencing and walling and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so can you tell me how you first got into running then? I don't know. As a child, I ran because, just ran around the farm because it was quicker. So we, we were brought up on a small holding in Glossop and I ran around that. Um, but to go and get the ponies in or go and get the cows or whatever. Mm. And then I left school and went to and joined ICI and I put a bit of weight on there because obviously I wasn't being as active. So I started running three times a week, like I see hundreds of women doing, just sort of keeping the weight off, get you know, keeping fit first thing in the morning, seven o'clock before anybody's up. Um, and I did that for quite a few years. And then I met my husband and he was a farmer. So I, again, I went back to being really physical, so I didn't need to. But I sort of missed it. You know, I just miss that time on your own that time to think and the extra feeling of feeling fit and we climbed yeah and in 2001 when it was foot and mouth all the footpaths were shut we went to um up to fort william to a, a, a 50th birthday party and we went up ben nevis while we were there and i just found it too hard it was uh yeah not enjoyable and i thought right i'm gonna get fitter because I, I know i'm i'm fit i might be physically fit but I can't go up Ben Nevis and back down again without having a strop <laughs> so yeah I started running from that really again and joined Penniston Footpath Runners and I think once you join a club you know you just meet loads of people that are doing different things it's half marathons and marathons and and then they were going on the fells which is what got me onto the fells yeah so why 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 fells what what's what's so good about running on fells well, there's no traffic for a start. Um, and there's more to think about than when you're on the roads because you've got to think about your, where you're going and your feet, where your feet are being placed. And then you're usually out for a lot longer than you would do if you did the same distance on the road, say. So you need to eat and drink and then you need to sort of carry stuff. So I think that's it. I just like the whole the whole thing that you've got more to do more to think about yeah more to manage would you would you ever run a road race ever again do you think or anything like that not i mean i do it in winter as training because the trails and the footpaths are muddy and it's dark 
So mm. I, I tend to do it. And I don't mind it, but I can't see me ever doing a road marathon. Yeah. Not unless I did it for fun with, you know, like as a, dressed as a strawberry or something. <laughs> <laughs> but even then I know I wouldn't make it fun. I'd still be too competitive. I'd be trying to get <laughs> past people dressed as raspberries or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that what drives you competition yeah so yeah i think when i'm racing i'm very competitive i can't understand when people are talking because i can hardly breathe <laughs> <laughs> now i noticed that because i watched the video of you in the barclay video uh barclay marathon um which is probably one of the most insane um and most bizarre races i think i've ever heard about so it's kind of a hundred miles in loops um, with absolutely terrifying elevation and conditions um, based on the whim of that chap Lazarus yeah, <laughs> um, who doesn't seem the full ticket to me um, <laughs> it just seems absolutely crazy but what from watching your film and watching you when you were doing it it was a couple of years ago now wasn't it and then um, um, yeah and, you'd sort of hooked up with another runner and in the film you can hear her sort of talking to you but your focus still remains in I was just sort of I thought that was quite interesting because I just thought oh god that really reminds me of me um <laughs> you know and people are just like you know and and she was clearly much more used to running with company and you know um but I mean that that all of that aside what on earth possessed you to sign up to the Barclay Marathons it just sounds awful it is that idea that it's doable but on the limits of being so Mm -hmm. um and also I think that Laz says that oh no not Laz but no women's actually woman has got round it so the ones that think it's doable will want to have a go um and I think that's why me and Stephanie Case that's the lady yeah we were so, we wanted to help each other round. So if one of us got round, I think we'd have both been as happy as if it had been us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that's why women can do, you know, as, as well as men, because we'll work together and help one another out like that. And then Billy Reed was the Irish guy. So he, we, we all sort of teamed up really, because that's the way to get round the Barclay is to not do, is to do as much as you can with somebody else because obviously with the navigation, I mean, Stephanie had done it before. So I think that's why she was a bit happier going up that first climb when she was chatty and I was just completely scared, silly. But, well, <laughs> that's know. what I wanted to ask about because it did look scary. Was So it was scary then? The first loop was actually, although I th- it was hot, um, it was actually reasonably enjoyable. Stephanie was really good on her navigation. She remembered it all. She was also telling us things so that if we were on our own on a further loop, you know, to help us out, what to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the first loop was was good, but the second loop, the temperature dropped. It plummeted, really. Um, and we, we, all, we all got taken by surprise by this because we hadn't taken enough clothes we put on what we got but we all were still getting really cold and and in the fog we were just being a lot slower so yeah that was it was pretty horrendous um I mean I've been cold quite a lot of times but I was really quite frozen and are are all the loops the same or do you do are they different loops well Laz decides so there's five loops and Laz decides what you're doing so you might do them all the same way, but I don't think he's ever done that. <laughs> um, but generally you do two one way, one the other way or or alternate. So again, being, you know, when you do one clockwise, say, and you turn around, it is sort of completely different, really, because um, you're going up what you came down. So you've got to look. So as you're going around the first time, you, you keep trying to look round like turn around so that you might recognize it coming the other way mm. if yeah i uh, think I mean yeah we had two two clockwise loops and then an anti-clockwise and then i can't remember what four and five were going to be um 
which in a way is, I don't know, yeah, I don't know what's the easiest. I haven't done it enough times to be able to say. And now it was so long ago that, you know, if I get another place, I'm going to have to try and remember because the route changes every year. Mm-hmm. But um, you hopefully your memory from the year before, because I was due to do it last year in 2020, but obviously we couldn't go out. And then I was due to do it in 21. And again, we couldn't go out. So um, there's a good chance I'll get in when I apply this year for 2022, I hope. It's a tightly fought battle, isn't it? All down to Laz. Yeah. (laughs) Do you stay in contact with him? Um, Slightly on email, but not, you know, he's got a lot of people contacting him. It's not, and I I met him quite briefly. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have high hopes of getting in for next year. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, the whole thing's been a bit messed up now because his his sort of system and everything. Um, Because he did run the race this year, but it was mainly, it was all people that could actually get there. So a lot of Americans. Mm -hmm. So he'll have a lot of people who couldn't get there these last two years. He'll have to choose. What makes you want to do it again? To To be that woman finisher? Yeah, to maybe to be her but if I can't be her then to get you know I did a loop and there'll be women out there like Jasmine who think well if Nikki Spinks can do one loop I should be able to do three which is you know she should be able uh, it gives other women confidence to 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 go and do it you know I would I'd love a, whim, a woman to finish the Barclay and I'm going to help I'm going to try and be that woman but if I can't be then I want to give other women confidence and if, if say I go and there's a there's a woman there who hasn't done it before and you know she doesn't know where she's going, then I'll I'll show her. And then you know when she when we've done a few loops together, she'll be able to keep going. That's quite the bat on your parking there. <laughs> <laughs> is is it the hardest race you've ever done? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, I mean it, a lot comes down to the weather when you're doing anything running. Even I should imagine like the London Marathon is way different in a really hot, dry day to a medium, nice, cool day to a really wet, horrible day. Yeah. You're going to do a different time, aren't you? Um, and But the Barclay, when you get the clag and you get the fog in the, and you're in the forest, uh, it slows you down so much. But I think they get that nearly every year. I don't, yeah, the, the changeable weather is all part of, is all Really, it's like the UK. It can be lovely and sunny one day and then drop 10 degrees and snow the next. But then at least you're on familiar terrain. It's just Mm. the idea of being somewhere so kind of foreign feeling underfoot as well as having those temperature changes. It just, it seems so. I mean, that, that film that came out with you, parts of it did feel ever so slightly like a kind of sinister into the woods horror story. Yeah, I think. (laughs) you're coping with all of that and running. It did feel a bit intense, I think is the word. Yeah. I mean, while you're there, it's not really in, intense because you're just concentrating on where you're going next and what you've got to eat to keep your energy levels up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the atmosphere before everyone sets off is pretty intense because obviously everyone's got that nervous energy and... And you have to wait for Lazarus to light his cigarette before you go. It's so funny. It's really not the London Marathon, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and there was, a, there was another record this year, another record attempt, the Lake District 24-hour record. Is that right? So what yeah. happened there? Well, again, I... Last year, Carol Morgan broke my record, but she and she put in the, the mountain that I had thought about putting in when I did it in 2011 um but I didn't have confidence to do it I felt really rough I'd been sick all day so I just finished and I had 45 minutes left because again you've got 24 hours to put as many peaks in as possible but you've got to put the peaks in that the previous record holder has put in um so, yeah, and I think all these years I've just known that I should have put that extra peak in. So that's just fired me up rather to have a go. And I know during lockdown, my training was just not ideal because I had to train from home. 
and I can get get like 800 meters of climbing a 12 mile run which is not like living in the lake district mm-hmm. um and even when I go to the peak district when we were allowed to travel it's mainly sort of 1200 meters in a 10 mile run you still cannot get you know the sort of training level of training and um, but i you know i like going in may i don't like i don't work well when i get too hot so i set a date and i went with it um but unfortunately the weather was just having had a really lovely dry april the weather in may was just wet it rained the whole week before so i knew i was going to be up against some wet conditions underfoot anyway mm. and then on the day what was supposed to be showers turned into snow um i think just the northern fells so just that leg one but mm. it was enough to um yeah running in the snow uh, i was really i was really really cold my feet were absolutely frozen i'd only got three quarters on my legs were frozen my, my bum all those back you know that yeah it was wet through to my knickers on on the bottom half. Oh. Um, yeah, so, but I think I just keep going until I can't really go anymore or there's no much, not much more point because I do know that these things can turn around mid-round. You know, you can sometimes, it's not miracles, it's just your own management of yourself. If you just mm. keep stuffing the energy in and keep going, you can sometimes just turn it round um, but it got to a point after about 50 miles where I thought, I can't pull this back. This is, I was 45 minutes down on my schedule and you can't pull that much back in the time that I've got left to do so. <clears throat> and at my foot, I think I must, well, I had sprained my foot, my ankle on leg one and not known about it because it was so cold because on leg two when it thawed out, it started hurting and then across leg three where you're up on the bow fell and the rocky stuff I couldn't sort of rock hop I was really unsure of my foot which is not like me at all I'm usually quite happy on the rocks and so yeah that was and then all that compensation started so I was putting my left foot down harder my left quad started seizing up I was massaging that and it was just and all the time trying to eat, which, yeah, in the end. But I think, I don't know, it sort of knocked my confidence a bit, but I've I've gone out and I've wrecked more of the legs and um, I'm hoping to have another go. When, you, when would you do that? So in August, yeah. I mean, again, you've got I've got to get a sort of window where I've got a support. Um, so, again, with, like, the campsite where I stay says, oh, well, it always rains in August. I'm like, no. <laughs> and it, I mean, what kind of challenges are you building up to for next year? Um, I don't really know. I just sort of take a year as it comes. It's so hard now. Well, not hard, but I, I've entered the Tour de Giance again for this year in September. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, we go out to Italy and we can do that. But, you know, we don't really know. So I might have that next year. And, yeah, hopefully try it. Well, I'll try and enter the Barclay and see if I can go out. And that, yeah. Yeah. Um, what? I mean, you know, you are Queen of the Fells, so we need all your advice because you know everything better than all of us. What mistakes do you see newbies making? What What do we need to do better when we head out on the Fells? Oh, good question. But um, I mean, men and women are slightly different. Men have a little bit too much confidence and women don't have enough, really. You know, I coach like eight women and I spend quite a lot of time actually persuading them that they are good enough to do what they would like to do. Um, and that, I think that's just how we are. So I think, I think one of the biggest mistakes that some people make is just entering something that's way out of their league because maybe it's a good idea at 10 o'clock on a Friday night in the pub. But um, and, and women don't do this as much as, as men do. But And I think then once 
once you have entered something or you do want to enter something, just look at the different components of it and think, how do I get there? So if the terrain is rocky, then go and train, find some rocky terrain. If it's, you know, steep up and downs, then then do that. If it's a, a flat sort of 100K or something, like in London, those, uh, I can't remember what they're called, but they run along the canals a lot, mm-hmm. then you need to be doing that sort of flattish sort of running. Um, and I think that's it. You need to train sort of specifically for what you're doing and always look at your nutrition and your early on. So what you're going to eat, I'm assuming you're sort of thinking about people doing ultras, not, um, 10 Ks. I'm not an expert on 10 (laughs) Ks. No, definitely ultras. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I read something that you, um, that you wrote, which I thought was, which was lovely and interesting because you were talking about, you know, spotting new trail runners a mile off because they did things like pause their GPS watches when they were walking uphill and stuff like that. I mean, it's a, it's a different mindset, isn't it? I yeah. Think. I think when you're off road, it doesn't really matter whether you, <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether you're moving or not it's still time on your feet, which is the important thing if you're doing an ultra, because you won't always be running when you're doing an ultra. You spend a lot of time walking You've and you probably stop and get your rucksack off and get something out of it and stuff. And you can't be, you know, the race time takes all that into consideration. So when you're doing it on the fells, there's no point stopping your watch. Just get quicker at taking your rucksack off and put it back on again. You know, pack it better so you don't have to stop at all. You, You can get stuff out as you're on the move. Um, so yeah, it does make me laugh when you see people stopping their watches to, when they go through a gate or something as if, as if it's going to make any difference. I mean, Strava, yeah. Okay. Strava already records whether you're moving or not. So mm-hmm. you'll know when you're moving when you're not. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's an odd, it's an odd disparity. And I think, um, nutrition is a big, is a big kind of difference as well. To, you know, you can, you can spot one of us roadies a mile off as we kind of tearing the tops of our gel packets while all of the ultra runners are looking at us as they were completely crazy as they tuck into a sandwich, you know, <laughs> you're just like, Oh yeah. Um, you can stop, you can eat kind of normal food, can't you? So I think that's, that's probably for me, that's like one of its greatest joys that you can kind of have a flapjack rather than, um, you know, yeah. eat, eat synthetic sugary stuff. Yeah. Cause your stomach after about, maybe four hours will just probably start rejecting the sugar because it hasn't, it, it just thinks it should be lunchtime or breakfast time or something. So it wants something a bit more sort of solid that it can digest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I've never, I think, I think most ultra runners wouldn't rely on the, on just complete um, on gels for, for longer than four hours. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I don't know about sam- sandwiches or uh, wraps or I use, a lot of people use rice puddings. Um, I use baked beans, but <laughs> it's just what what you can personally get down. And again, it's so personal that, you know, you can't say to somebody, I couldn't say to you, oh, you must take baked beans <laughs> because you might hate baked beans, but you might, quite a lot of people like pork pies pizza is a good one you know a lot of people about pork pies yeah <laughs> after a few hours you, you just do tend to find your your body wants something savory it's it's um sort of sick of tasting sugar yeah you have to so you have to still get the sugar in so you you give it a pork pie and then a gel <laughs> <laughs> mm, yum um. <laughs> so um who who inspires you then there's you know you seem to be like at the pinnacle so I'm not quite sure who there is around you who you can kind of strive you know who, who inspired you when you first started and who inspires you now I think it was always women I don't know why always women I think because if I'm going to do something I think that women would approach it the same way offices as I would um so I was looking at women like Sarah Rowell she was winning things she um you know, she was sort of outstanding when she was younger. And, 
you know, well, and into her sort of 40s, 50, I don't think she's 50, but 40, sorry, sorry, Sarah. Um, and then Wendy Dodds, when I, I first did the Three Peaks Fowl Race in 2005, mm. I was going up Wernside, the second hill, and I sort of caught Wendy and, um, and she was so encouraging and I knew who she was because of the rounds and the, she was the first person to do the Paddy Buckley. And, um, yeah, I knew who she was. So I was in awe of her and I was just sort of a, a nobody coming past her or catching her anyway. I mean, it took me a while to get past her because she really, she stuck with me. And then she talked to me at the end as well. And I thought that was so like lovely of her. She's really, Every time she saw me after that, she was asking me what I was doing and encouraging me on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was definitely. And then Helen, Helene Diamantes, um, yeah, she's a super, super runner. Um, yeah, won the Dragon's Back in oh, 2012, no, I, uh, whenever, 2009, I think it was. Mm. Um, but, yeah. You know, she won races outright. She held the record for the uh, Ramsey, Charlie Ramsey round for a long time, 20 hours, 20 and 20, I think. Um, one of the quickest times. So, yeah, I think it's definitely those people that I was sort of looking, reading about, I think, you know. I always sort of think if somebody wrote a book, would I be interested to read it? And if, you know, if those women wrote books, then I would read them. I'd go and buy them and read them, yeah. There's not enough running books by women, that's for no. sure. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what makes women, though? I mean, what makes women not write the books, but what makes women actually run the distance? Women are so good at endurance running. What, what is it that is good about us? I think we don't have the time to do the books as well as do the running, <laughs> as well as usually a full-time job as well as our family to organize and feed um, I think that's it a lot of the women are just juggling lots and lots of things mm-hmm. um, and yeah and yet they're and still winning also it's that juggling right. that makes us when we do run we make it worth running um so we know we've got you know only a certain amount of time we've got to get back for something and we've you know, we've organised the day so that we get this running. And, um, yeah, we do make our training count that way. And I think the same with the racing. If, I don't think women enter sort of like too many races. So they make, they make sure they concentrate on the ones that they do enter mm-hmm. and do a good job of them. They like to do their best at stuff. And I think also women, um, especially me, when I first started looking at the rounds, I thought, well, I'm not the fastest runner in the world. So where else can I maximize, minimize my time, save time? And it was in the checkpoints. You know, I can cut the checkpoint time down from five, ten minutes to sort of two minutes or three minutes. I can organize my rucksack so that I'm not always getting it on and off. Um, And I think like that, and even just on the move, you just want to keep, you know, even your foot placement, you can waste energy if your foot slides backwards. So you concentrate on where you put your foot so it doesn't slide backwards. So that, that every step counts. Yeah, I, th- I, I just, I find it so fascinating. I'm, you know, speaking to people like you and, you know, Jasmine Paris and stuff. And I remember when she was talking about the spine race and she was saying, you know, just look, just look at the people that are entering the spine race. Just look at them. Just look at the list of them. And, you know, that's kind of, what a quarter of the men are, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a very small proportion of, of the entrance of the spine race are, are women. Um, and I think, I can't remember if it was her, or if it was someone like Sophie Power, but someone was suggesting that um, of the men that had entered, there'd be a few of them that, are, that are just like, yeah, all right, I'll do it. You know, but none of the women are like, none of the women are just like, Oh, I just, I'll just see how it goes. The women are like, you know, mega training for it for years. And it's their kind of massive goal race because it, it's huge. It's such a big kind of undertaking. Um, so there was, there were more kind of proportionately high level women than there were men. And the men were a much more kind of mixed bag of kind of experience and athleticism and stuff. Um, I thought that was a really interesting take on it. Um, and we, we also talked, I remember at the time we talked about 
um, well, especially with Jasmine and with Sophie Power, we were talking about the kind of small children aspect, that the mm. being able to just crunch through the hours because you're used to it. And that, um, yeah, the woman's load, really, that's what that comes down to, doesn't it? Which I think is sort of slightly depressing. But um. <laughs> Yeah, I also think the dropout rate, it's much higher for the men. Um, yeah, so if you look at the women that have entered and then the women that eventually drop out, um, it's, it's, the rate is much lower than it is in the men. Because I think also they've put so much into it that they're much less likely to just drop out, mm-hmm. you know, if they think they can get over this and carry on going. So um, where, where are you running next? What's your, what's your week like? What, what's your training week like? Well, tomorrow I'm doing the Great Lakes Fell Race, which is the first sort of race I've done. I mean, I've done lots of virtual type races. Um, but yeah, first so race how far I've is done that? Mm, 20 miles should take yeah four and a half hours i think mm-hmm. so yeah it's in the lake district it's a good it's a good race lots of people uh i think you might have it doesn't usually get many entries but because there's not that many races this year i think you might have 200 which is qu- quite a few you're looking forward to it yeah It'd be sort of, it's almost a bit scary. I think we've all got out of the habit of doing proper races. Um, yeah, so I hope I haven't forgotten to pack anything. I don't, I don't think so because I'll, I'll go through it all again. But um, yeah, it's, it is a bit odd. Yeah, you get out of the habit, don't you? You just mm. you get the wrong socks or something. And it's like, oh god, yeah, forgot about. Yeah, that. yeah. And <laughs> then on Sunday, I'll I'll stay up and do some um, more running in the Lake District. Oh, lovely. Oh well, we will follow you intently tomorrow um good luck with it i hope it goes really well yeah it's, i i really like the re- race it's um it's a i think it'll be a classic it's not been going i don't know how many years maybe six or seven but it is a classic sort of lakes race so when it used to get sort of 30 people i was always trying to well i love the race but i always try and support it anyway mm. so that it keeps going because quite a lot of these tough fell races um, don't get enough entrance and then it's not viable for them to continue oh that just it sounds fantastic i mean I'd, i have never ever run in the lake district and the idea of doing so just seems idyllic so um fingers crossed for good weather yeah i think it's good weather i think it's raining there today which will make it a bit slippery underfoot but i think tomorrow's dry and yeah. clear and the last time i did this race i went a bit awol <laughs> In what way? They were out the clags and I thought, where am I? Oh, shit, I should be over there. <laughs> I would expect your navigation to be top-notch. <laughs> I just wasn't on it that day. There was this, I don't know his name, but there was this older fell runner and I should have just stuck with him because he just kept, I, I kept passing him because he was slower than me, but he was going the right way all the time. <laughs> I passed him three times. We just, you know, sometimes my brain's just it wasn't on it that day it was just yeah i thought i was following my compass but i don't know maybe i think that's that well that is clearly the third wheel of of trail running and fell running isn't it it's navigation plus the actual running itself and nutrition it's those sort of three things it's such yeah. a kind of um it's a different it's a different kind of pursuit isn't it than kind of just doing your miles on the road I think navigation is the thing where I would always become a bit unstuck. Yeah, women think that as well. And I think the trouble is women go out with men a lot who can navigate. So it's really hard to learn to navigate when you're with somebody who's doing it. Mm. Um, so the, the way to learn is to either go out with other women who yeah, help each other or um, yeah, or on your own. It's pretty scary on your own, but it you do you do it then. You, you have to do it. So um yeah it's worth learning because once you've got that basic sort of skill you don't you, you you're just a little bit more confident in yourself and where you can go and explore it's quite liberating being able to just run off the path and head off somewhere um yeah i just um i was just talking to a runner yesterday who was oh at least downing and she she'd run the coast of britain um, and she was talking about some of her, the early mistakes that she made when she was unable to navigate. And she looks back now at the route that she took and she'd be running along an A road. And just to the left of her was a lovely coastal path. 
but she, she never ran on it because she couldn't see it and she was just unsure about map reading and things like that so um it's definitely worth it's a skill we all need I think in order to mm. kind of enjoy our running more yeah well thank you so much for talking to me Nikki that was um okay. it was absolutely brilliant it was lovely to finally meet you I can't believe it's taken so long that's my fault um but hopefully hopefully we'll meet up together mm. at some point in yeah. one of these kind of running yeah. events that always crop up so um so I think women's running is a brilliant magazine and you know it's well like I say I do I coach eight women and um I, I I think we're just com- we're coming through now because and I think lockdown sort of helped. I've seen a lot more women running and because obviously it was all we were allowed to do. So that's mm-hmm. but I hope maybe half the people, half the women that started running in lockdown are going to carry on because it's made them feel a lot better. And it's hard to squeeze it into your day sometimes, but it is worth it. It is. And you think that there must have been so many people, so many women who were sort of like not training in a gym who kind of had to run instead and, and sort of saw it as kind of sloppy seconds. Oh, I'll, I'll just do it because the gym's not open. And I hope that of them, that they mm. discovered actually the huge benefits, like mental and physical, going for a run. Um, you know, and it only takes, it only takes a little bit. It only takes kind of a few magazines or a few websites or a few kind of chats to friends to sort of suddenly think, well, actually, well, maybe, maybe I will run on that footpath and, mm. and just discover that route and kind of, you, you know, you discover your area, don't you? Way, way better on foot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's exciting. It's an exciting time for running, I think. Yeah. And, and you're leading the charge, Nikki. So <laughs> we're all following <laughs> you. <laughs> Yes, Nikki Spinks is a legend, but she's also probably one of the most down-to-earth runners I've ever spoken to. What I love the most about the ultra-running community is the way that it supports each other. Nikki is supported by previous record holders, and she supports them, just as she did recently with Damien Hall on his recent coast-to-coast Fastest Known Time. That support, the cheerfulness and the pork pies, these are all very good reasons for us all to consider a spot of ultra-running. Podcast listeners can claim the best discount we have for membership to Women's Running, which is 35% off. That's less than $2.95 a month. And for that, you get our brilliant magazine and you also get loads of money off the sorts of stuff you love, like kit, nutrition and class memberships. Go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter WRPod at the checkout for your discount. Happy running. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.